0: Hi, I'm Gina
1: Thomas-Kelly from SB Nation.
2: And I'm Amir Tyree from DraftKings Nation.
1: And we're the hosts of Football Cheat Sheet, a podcast that drops every Friday and provides you with the tools you need to win money and dominate your friends in fantasy this NFL season.
2: And we are through uh, week three now, so... Uh, let's talk about what stood out most to us from, from that week three and then heading into week four.
1: Um, one of the things that stood out to me, and I'm always watching the Saints very closely, um, but the over-under and Packers Saints was bonkers. It was 54, and they hit it. And um, one of the questions that's come up a couple of times this week for people, as the Falcons look forward to facing the Packers, you know, the Falcons have been terrible but have been able to put up points, and so people are wondering if they should take the over and Falcons Packers this week. I think the over under is um, 56, if I'm not mistaken. So even higher than than Packers Saints.
2: Just scoring in general, just in the NFL has just been going crazy lately. I was banking on earlier this week, writing about how I thought the Ravens Chiefs game would hit the under. It was like 53 and a half and they hit 54 right on the dot because I thought the Ravens defense would show up. But everyone is just scoring like crazy in this new no fans slash limited fans kind of format that's <laughs> going on right now.
1: I do wonder, too, if some of it is just no preseason, and so are defenses just kind of still in preseason mode? Is that why offenses are able to, you know, exert their will on them?
2: It, it could go both ways as far as defenses being able to hear and see or hear all the stuff at the line and adjustments and things better, but then also, like, lack of home field and crowd noise can't get in, so they can, like, kind of calmly communicate and things like that, so... It seems like it's going in the offense's favor, at least right now.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. That's really interesting. And, um, you know, looking at Packer Saints last week, if it were any other season and that if the Superdome were filled with Saints fans, that's a really difficult place to play. Um, You know, even if Drew Brees' arm seems to be fading a little bit, even yeah. with Thomas out, it's still it's a very different situation to go into New Orleans this year and and play. Um, Same thing for, you know, even. Seattle's had a great season so far but you know I I wonder if the home field advantage will impact more teams as the season goes on uh for the Falcons it won't because <laughs> they almost never have fans in the stadium yeah. So it's like a normal season, <laughs> but yeah. Speaking of the Saints, Michael Thomas looks like he's going to be back this week. Um, and so last week Alvin Kamara had a phenomenal week. I, he put up over 47 points for me in DFS, which I was delighted about. But um, I'm really interested to see because a high ankle sprain is a really
2: difficult injury.
1: So I'm interested to see if he's able to really be effective. If it's going to impact Kamara's outlook for this week, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, look at it, I think he'll definitely be affected by it, but just. Uh going off how productive he's been, I don't know that they would pivot off him completely, especially if Thomas isn't at a hundred percent. But yeah, Kamara, he's just you see, he got like 14, he got 14 targets, I want to say, and had 13 catches.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that was definitely the edge in our fantasy con in our fantasy contest this week. Because I had uh Russell Gage and Deshaun Jackson both and both got hurt, and then I had Matt Ryan as my quarterback, which once as soon as Gage went out of the game, just He was just. I think he he went something like zero for eight or zero for nine on throws in a row because he knows he's pretty much just throwing to Calvin Ridley, so there's nothing they could do at that point.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Julio was out because of a hamstring strain, and yeah, when Gage went out too, it was just like Matt Ryan can be really productive when he's got that full complement receivers to throw to, but it's just not enough if you've got both of those guys sidelined. And
2: even if Tom is does play, I don't I don't know if he's necessarily going to have that downfield burst kind of thing when we saw on week one he had three catches for 17 yards is i don't know if making 12 catches for 35 yards is going to make much of a difference especially with how drew Brees is throwing the football right now so unless suddenly he gets michael thomas back who isn't even like the fastest guy and just starts taking like taking shots down the field that would be surprising i think so i think Kamara is still a better play
1: Yeah, I don't know that Drew Brees can take shots down the field anymore. So that's, uh, I think, the tricky part for him. Um, And, yeah, one of the things that I'm, as usual, because I hate the Atlanta Falcons, um, I am (laughs) keeping an eye on their their injury report this week. Their defense is really banged up. And the fact that they play – Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams looks like he'll probably be back this week. Um, As banged up as the Falcons are, I would definitely keep an eye on on that injury report for the rest of the week. And I'm considering loading up my DFS lineup with Packers players as much as I can afford to, because I just think that all of those guys have the opportunity to have a really big day.
2: Yeah, especially when you look at um, Lazard going for 146 against the Saints and you have the highest scoring offense in the NFL right now. Going against the team that's given up more points than any team in the NFL so far, yeah, yeah. Only, only the Seahawks have given up more passing yards, but have somehow remained. Well, we know we know why because Russell Wilson, yeah. but um, just giving up that many yards. And if even if Adams isn't at 100, percent and then even Jones, Jones is a, who can just come out of the backfield and just make plays on uh, screen passes or running between the tackles too. I feel like that. I feel like there's a good chance that'll be the highest scoring game um, mm-hmm. of the week.
1: Yeah, I really do too. Um, and especially if uh, Russell Gage is still on the injury report, Julio is still on the injury report, um, we probably need to wait until Friday to have a better idea of both of their status. But, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> I just think that the uh, the Packers defense does have some weaknesses too, but... um yeah, the Falcons defense has been bad, and now they're bad and banged up. So that's yeah. a combination. And one of the standout storylines for this week that I didn't put on our sheet but that we really should talk about is the fact that they are going to completely bump the Steelers-Titans game that was scheduled for this week to later in the season. Um, yeah. It's up in the air right now. So, I mean, if you're depending on, you know, Connor, if you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, um, if you've got Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because those are players that a lot of people selected high and season long. Um obviously it's much easier to work around for DFS, but I you know my heart goes out to everybody who's trying to figure out what to do with your lineups this week.
2: Yeah, especially um for some of them guys like Derrick Henry are probably your running back, your top running back, so uh, working around that, but even still a lot of running backs are so injured, maybe you can pick someone up um mm-hmm. off just off the waiver wire, which when you uh look at the 49ers now Jarek mckinnon is banged up yeah so and that takes like another step which i don't know how many people loaded up on uh jeff wilson ahead but both of them were super productive um in week three but they also are facing um a solid eagles defense though so yeah, but yeah th- i feel like there's enough injuries for you to find like last minute waiver wire pickups who can uh definitely have big performances
1: Yeah, and we'll get to our sleepers a little bit later in the broadcast. But, um, yeah, we still have some uh, standout storylines to get through here. Yeah,
2: and then uh, just going on through to Russell Wilson, MVP frontrunner right now. He's just been just ridiculous as far as 14 14 touchdown passes. He had the one pick six he threw against the Patriots, but on pace for 74-plus touchdowns this year, which I, I don't think it's sustainable. But regardless, he's going into the face of Miami Dolphins now which they're, they might be without Byron Jones, who has, has a groin injury. So how are they going to match up against Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf? It just seems like he's going to keep throwing for like four or five touchdowns again, especially uh, Chris Carson with his knee sprain that he's dealing with from that Cowboys game, which Carlos Hyde could uh, step in and play a little bit uh, more of a role than usual. But it's hard to see him not take it, like taking over again. He's not even using his legs at this point in the season. And even even still, Kamara's is like at least a uh, standard – Kamara has the edge in PPR leagues, but if you just just say like standard. Uh, no one has more fantasy points than Russell Wilson. So yeah, he's playing out of his mind.
1: He really is. And I, you know, I would just like to credit the Atlanta Falcons for getting him off to such a good start. Of season. <laughs> um, yeah. And I see that you have on your list here, Josh Allen, who is really having a spectacular fantasy season. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, fourth quarterback ever, uh, this season to throw for 700 yards with six passing touchdowns and no picks and he did and he had a crate just crazy game against um the rams and came back to win that one uh last minute which is going to be one of their tests to see oh are they actually a real team who can uh compete and win that division out over the patriots which definitely look like they have a good chance to do that but i don't know we might need like a table sponsor for the podcast for every game josh allen doesn't throw a pick i'll pile drive a table or something like that so <laughs> if anybody's interested in that i'll do it But yeah, he's playing. He's yeah, he's just playing out of his mind. He's looking like one of the best fantasy options just in general, regardless of position. And I think only only behind Dak Prescott in passing yards, too. So
1: yeah, that's really impressive and really not at all what I expected.
2: And then uh, one more thing I want to touch on is uh, the Chiefs who came into the season with the 18th toughest schedule. Uh, coming off their uh, Super Bowl win, uh, 34-20 victory over the over the Ravens on Monday night, one of the most anticipated regular season games of the year, and now it almost looks like they have a cakewalk for the rest of the season. They had a tough game and and week uh, week two, yeah, against the Chargers. But I'm, I assume injuries will come into play. But it's the very real possibility that uh, they could just walk through and be undefeated especially yeah well the it'll it'll be tough on some of those some of those west coast teams they'll have some good games but just defensively how how like how do you stop them he was having the, he was having his way with the baltimore defense who a lot of people looked at as the best defense in the uh, nfl or, uh just most well-rounded and he just like tore them apart essentially
1: yeah and looking back to the chargers game in week two um i feel like throughout Regulation, the Chargers defense kind of gave teams a blueprint to beat them. But then the problem when you're facing Patrick Mahomes is that he's just not going to go along with that. So, what he didn't, you know, what he did late in the game to make sure that they went to overtime and then, you know, getting to overtime. I mean, watching him throw on the run is really one of the great joys of, of following the NFL right now. He is a really special player. So I'm excited to see what they do for the rest of the season. But I really don't put anything out of Patrick Mahomes reach. I think that an undefeated season is well within reach with the talent. I mean, they're just stacked with talent. Yeah.
2: And then you try, you try and stop him getting out and throwing on the run. He runs for a touchdown. He's throwing shovel passes to Anthony Sherman to score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It's like they're, they're they'll literally throw to any. He threw through a touchdown to his lineman. It's <laughs> I don't I don't know how I don't know how you stop that. But if any team, it's it has to be just impossible to scheme against them. And then Edwards Zelaya is still uh, he hasn't quite bounced back from that Week One game. But he's also someone you have to worry about. The Ravens actually did do a great job of uh, stopping the run. So he's going off he's going off two weeks now of kind of slower weeks, but. I would still expect him to bounce back at some point because he's al- he's almost gone, forgotten about, and people forget he's like what he's capable of doing out of the backfield uh, receiving too. So
1: it's just a mess to have to figure out how to defend guys like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill with that kind of speed. I mean, there just aren't that many defensive backs in the league that have the speed to keep up with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they just have so many options, and um, especially with their receiving threats, I think that it will open up more opportunities for Edwards-Hilares the year goes
2: on and then going into something new this week uh over or under i'm just gonna i picked out a couple things that i wanted uh, to look at that feel like could be closed as far as individual player um performances and yeah just uh, some things to look at and can hopefully make you help you guys make some fantasy decisions coming up in week four uh the first one is over or under one and a half passing touchdowns for philip rivers who as at this point, I'm. I think Jacoby Brissett could do just as well as him right now. Who has he has three passing touchdowns and three picks uh, so far this season? He's di- they've dialed it down a lot since he opened up throwing like 45 or 46 pass in week one. Now he's throwing like 20, like 23, 25 a game for two weeks now uh, with Jonathan with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Um, you
1: know, it's been interesting to see how because Philip Rivers was usually pretty consistent about slinging the ball and he was able to he would always have picks but he was able to score so i am a little bit surprised that um you know he's only got one touchdown per week um and the same number of picks is less surprising to me yeah but you know i feel like going into week four they should be hitting their stride a little bit more i'm going to take the over because the over two touchdowns which is not out of the realm of possibility
2: it's and then his receiving his receiving core is a little banged up I've been surprised by Mo Ali Cox on that team as the backup tight end who just went crazy for like 111 receiving yards I think in week two and then bounced back and outperformed Jack Doyle who's the starter but um Jack Doyle was recovering from an ankle and knee injury so maybe he's more involved now but yeah they, uh, they're up against that uh Chicago Bears defense so maybe we'll see if he can pull out a two touchdown, have one of his better performances. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, maybe because they, Bears, we know can uh, get after it on the run with the guys they have on the defensive line and linebacker. Mm -hmm. All right, so for number two, I have Joe Mixon, over under 70 rushing yards. A lot of people had him as a guy who was going to have a breakout season this year, um, coming in with Joe Burrow as a young quarterback. Uh, He can do a little bit of everything. He's top 10 in in the NFL in touches but he's been held under 50 uh, rushing yards twice in his three games that he's played he had 69 as a season high in week 1 uh against the chart against the uh chargers so um what are you thinking about that one as they're uh hosting Jacksonville this week
1: going up against Jacksonville i could see that he goes over 70 rushing yards yeah especially when he's getting that many touches and it would really be beneficial for the Bengals to be able to open up enough holes for him to get some traction on the ground because Joe Burrow as a rookie needs that support as he's easing into his NFL career especially without a preseason so I'm gonna be optimistic for Bengals fans this week I'm gonna say this week Joe Mixon does it he goes for over 70 rushing yards
2: yeah and he's also uh yet to score a touchdown as well so so he's due uh, yeah he that's goes that's something to definitely look out for but j- just for some context they have played some of the better uh defensive lines in the nfl with the chargers and the eagles and then they're coming off the browns who have started to have like, like breakout defensive line because the browns even limited uh the ravens to you know very very few rushing yards so uh maybe they get a little bit of a you know they ease up a little bit against jacksonville who lost their top defensive lineman over the offseason so And then the last one, your hero from week three, we have Alvin Kamara, two touchdowns over or under with the return of uh, Michael Thomas possibly.
1: Yeah, so I hate the Saints, but I love Alvin Kamara as a player. I love his versatility. I love the fact that he's an effective receiver out of the backfield, and he's just such a strong runner. Um, And he's a guy who lands my DFS lineups a lot. I splurge on him quite a bit. Um, I'm going to take the over because even with Michael Thomas back, I don't think that he's going to be 100%. Um, High ankle sprains, like I said earlier, are just a brutal injury to recover from, and it takes a long time to get back to 100%. And so I think that Kamara, I think that Michael Thomas will draw some attention away from Kamara, which is going to open up some more opportunities for Kamara. So I'm going to, I'm taking the over on all three here.
2: Yeah, he's averaging two touchdowns per game. So um, we'll see if he can keep going. He's going to be, he's basically their entire offense at this point because they're not getting, Uh, much else from the rest so yeah all right that is our uh, new thing over under which we'll continue to bring back in the weeks yet to come support for this show comes
3: from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team now more than ever educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, hits the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: I'm excited to talk about my hits um, because last week I had to talk about my biggest miss being <laughs> getting to school At my DFS lineup. Well, I remembered this week and I won our contest. And I was about that. I got my pockets are $31 fat. And so, uh, yeah, I I hit on most of my lineup except for my lock of the week last week, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. (laughs) So that was my miss for this week. And what was kind of fun with looking at, because you started Matt Ryan and he and Mitchell had almost identical. Yeah. Almost identical point. Um, so that was that was kind of interesting because that was a miss for Matt Ryan last week too. I didn't expect that at all. But yeah, especially uh, Alvin Kamara. I've talked about him a lot today, but I was just delighted. I mean, 47 points in a DFS matchup is spectacular. Yeah, you went crazy. Robert Woods is a guy who's usually pretty consistent for me. And um, I was thrilled with his production too with 21 points. So those were my two biggest hits last week.
2: Yeah, and then uh, for me, one of the ones I talked about as my lock of the week, DeAndre Hopkins. I mentioned that he caught eighty-eight percent of his targets so far this year. Uh, dropped off a little bit. Still, he's only eighty-six percent catching eighty-six percent of his targets now. After ten receptions, one hundred thirty-seven yards um, in a loss. In a loss, uh, still, but yeah, he definitely did a lot for me. And then one I didn't touch on, who kind of, who kind of just uh, after looking through, um, just some, just some stats from. Uh, last week Mike Davis filled in huge and went around he went over over 20 points I think uh, 23 or so while filling in for Christian McCaffrey um, who not many people were on him he will probably have uh, much higher ownership and be picked up he's been picked up a lot on uh, season-long teams just while Christian McCaffrey's out but yeah he didn't do a lot as far as uh, running between the tackles he he broke some and could potentially break some uh, bigger runs down the uh, down the road but Eight caught eight passes on nine targets and scored a touchdown. So I think uh, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is used to dumping it off to um, Alvin Kamara, and he's he's going to be a guy who's going to do those dink and duck kind of passes. And they're going to continue to run their the Panthers are going to continue to run their offense the same way, and that helped them upset the Chargers. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went back and did that again um, in Week Four
1: yeah absolutely, and especially when we're looking at people missing players because of this game that's being postponed, I mean it seems like he might be a good option to fill in there
2: and on to the misses,
1: yeah, for me, it was Mitchell trubisky um you know, I just I expected him to come out and have a good day, and he had he had had some strong performances, so like especially week one, and then um instead, he was like vintage mitch trubisky and <laughs> Pick and he got benched for Nick Foles, who, and then the Falcons, of course, still lost the game anyway
2: because yeah.
1: they were bad this year. But um, yeah, so that was my biggest miss.
2: And for me, I uh, banked on a couple. I did a, I did a couple different entries as far as uh, DFS went. I do have Deshaun Jackson on my season long team, and I've uh, rostered him a couple times in DFS because he's a guy who has that just uh, boom or bust potential. Him and A.G. Green were kind of among the league leaders in air yards. And it's just like, Oh, if they, if they catch two or three, they could have big games, uh, ham, uh, hamstring injury, got Jackson and, uh, AJ green has still uh yet to really build that connection with Joe Mur- Joe Burrow. So yeah, I missed on, I missed on both of them, but, uh, and one of my larger, uh, tournament plays, I did a lot better than I did in my, um, in the draft in the draft Kings one. Cause I just, I just threw in like a bunch of guys who I think would be low owned and they did all right. But, when there's like 30,000 people in it, there's only such a small chance, especially with single entry. But yeah, yeah I, I, I just, just to get some variance in there.
1: I don't even want to talk about my larger tournament play last week because I was so excited about the lineup when I submitted it. And then it was just a, a disaster. Like I never even came close to landing in the money. So, no, yeah. Every week is an opportunity to get better, so I'll tr- I'll be back at it this week.
2: Yeah, for the for the lar- for the larger one, I threw in. I, I was not nearly as high on most of the players, They're just like oh, and then a lot a lot of them boomed, like Eckler and a couple others. And I end up scoring, I want to say fifty points higher than I did in the DraftKings ones. It's like you know, um, you just have to be so random and unique in those bigger contests because there's so many possibilities of lineups. So yeah. it's a it's a different way to attack them. Yes. so i, I wish i'd put in the same one so i could have beat you this week but uh maybe i'll be a little bit more risky the next time around when we do the smaller ones
1: yep there's all yeah there's always this week to try again um so we only had a couple of mailbag questions this week um i just want to let everybody know that every week we'll be posting a, an ask for mailbag questions on twitter um you can follow me at gina thomas and amir at it's a miracle um we're both gonna Get it out there and and definitely encourage you to reply and ask us your fancy questions. And we touched on this in our first section, but uh, Matthew Lawrence, a friend from ESPN Radio Lexington, wants to know if he should take the over in Falcons versus Packers. And I think that I said earlier that it was 56, but it's 58, um, at least according to Action Network right now. Fifty eight is really high, and while I was saying earlier on, like take the over, and it's ridiculous to say this, but if it were fifty six, I might feel more comfortable than fifty
2: eight. It is at on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's at fifty six and a half. So maybe that is
1: yeah, fifty six and a half. It's yeah, I'm, that's that
2: that's a that looks like a a better line yeah. to me than the other one. But yeah, I think that, I think they have a decent shot at hit at hitting that just based on what we've seen so far.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just from both of these teams in particular, and then from, you know, offenses in general, we've seen a lot of high scoring games and we've talked about the potential reasons for that. But regardless, it does give everybody the opportunity to make a little money. So uh, yeah, if it's that 56 and a half line, I would probably take the over.
2: Hmm.
1: If it's 58, I might take the under. (laughs) Watch them come in at like 58.
2: It's a very, very thin line between those two.
1: Yes. And then Harry Arnett (laughs) wants to know, hypothetically, what would your lineup have to be to overcome having the Falcons as your fancy defense? I think that your best bet if the Falcons are your fancy defense is to drop the Falcons and pick up another defense. Because I don't think that you can overcome that. In real life, the Falcons cannot overcome it. And you can likely not overcome it on your fancy roster. There have got to be better options out there. So just drop them. And move on with
2: your life. I I second that. I don't know how deep your league could be, but ninety percent of the defenses out there are gonna be better than the Falcons at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, unless maybe everyone's stashed defense is to steal them from you when they saw you had the Falcons defense after (laughs) week one. So uh that's a that's a real possibility. But just just, really just about any team. I don't know if you need to rework the rest of your roster structure, but throw it throw a dart like throw a dart at the board and stick it to you. Especially
1: yeah. in leagues where you're dealing with a defense-special-teams combo, uh, young Waku, the Falcons kicker, is also dealing with some kind of a strain, so he could miss significant time. I don't really know what they're planning to do at kicker. Oh. Out a couple oh. of guys this week, so especially if you're dealing with a league that you, know, you feel the defense-slash-special-teams combo, get them out of here. Get yep. somebody else. There's got to be somebody else available that would be better than the Falcons right now. Um, so yeah, looking at our locks of the week I'm, you know, there's really a trend here, but I got to go with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he is consistently great. He is going to have a field day against this banged up Falcons offense. Um, and I would add in Devonte Adams who did return to practice yesterday uh, with that hamstring. He may not be a hundred percent. I would keep an eye on that through the week. Um, you know, Alan Lazard is a good option to grab in DFS if, um, if, Devontae Adams doesn't seem to be 100%. Um, and Aaron Jones, too, because the Falcons, Grady Jarrett's on the injury report, and he's one of their most consistent defenders against the run. So, yes, I'm just going to stick with my theme of picking whoever the Falcons are playing against to just absolutely embarrass the Falcons' defense. So that's my lock of the week, or there were actual several, actually several locks there.
2: That one could be um, one of the more popular stacks in DFS, especially – if um if Adams uh, comes back, which it seems like he's trending in the right direction. But mm-hmm. an alternative to that is my lock of the week, Dak Prescott, who is leading the NFL in passing yards through three weeks, and he'll be up against Cleveland, who has been one of the best teams uh, at stopping the run. They were limited by Seattle Seahawks, who have the worst pass defense in the NFL, but have one of the best um, defensive lines as far as stopping the run. So he's coming off back-to-back games of over 400 passing yards. And so with his options and Michael Gallup, actually, was finally able to put together a solid game. And you look at uh, what he's doing alongside um, Mari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and filling in for uh, Blake Jarwin. They have a tight end who's uh, doing just fine, too. So I think stacking stacking with two or three of those guys um, against Cleveland could uh, be another one to look out for.
1: Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I would probably avoid Ezekiel Elliott this week. I think that his cost is going to, um, n- you know, going up against a stout run defense. I just don't see any point in investing that kind of money in in him this week. But I think all, their receiving core would all be really smart plays. So sleeper of the week, um, The after Saquon Barkley went down with an injury, the Giants signed Devontae Freeman, who had been a free agent for several months. Uh, Devontae is guy that I know personally from his time with Falcons, um, he is a guy who has a big chip on his shoulder at all times. I know how fired up he's going to be to actually contribute now that he's been in the building for over a week, has a better feel for the offense. Um, and so if you're looking for a replacement for somebody who's not playing because of uh, Steelers, Titans being moved to later in the season, I would really recommend considering Freeman. I think that they're still going to have um, a three-man rotation with Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. But I also know that Devontae is so effective as a receiver out of the backfield. I know that he's going to come out you know, ready to put up yards, ready to prove that every team that met with him and decided not to pay him what he wanted to be paid was wrong. Um, And so I really think, especially at $4,800 this week on DraftKings, I think that he's a a pretty – safe investment who could put up some numbers for you
2: yeah and i'll get back to talking to him in a little bit when we get to our uh doghouse stuff because yeah new york new york's backfield as a whole was just terrible last weekend um daniel jones actually led their team in rushing yards on five scrambles so uh we'll we'll get back to that but he he might be someone who uh people are low on just given his limited workload but he's got to learn um the playbook and how how things work there so he's definitely um, someone who could bounce back and then uh, what I want to point out is T Higgins um, with the Cincinnati Bengals he's coming off two touchdowns um, against the Eagles and one thing I noticed when I was looking at um, just snap counts he outsnapped AJ Green and Tyler Boyd with 79% of the offensive snaps which I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a super high target guy but it seems like they really like him um, in that red zone area. So even if he doesn't get a ton of opportunities, if Joe Burrow kind of starts to uh, build that kind of connection with him which he has with AJ Green, maybe he's that jump ball guy um who can just come up big just like by vulturing touchdowns. So that'll be something to monitor. And then another guy who remember this is recorded on Thursday, who I wanted to get in, but he's playing uh, Thursday night as uh, uh, KJ Hamler, who well, we'll we'll see by Friday when this comes out, we'll see how he does against the Jets. But he actually um, logged ninety-two percent of uh, Denver's offensive snaps in uh, Week Three. With Jerry Judy, is still their top guy, and Noah Fan is still above him. But he's that speedy guy who can have that uh, yards after catch upside. So maybe even if you, even if it uh, you don't have him um, now, if you want to like check him out on the waiver wire or something like that, he's a guy I think could have a big game this week.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, what is your money line pick for this week?
2: For this one, we are getting a little bit riskier than usual. I've been like looking at like oh, two and a half point underdogs, and but uh, this week I'm looking at the Eagles, who are coming off that just ugly tie against uh, Cincinnati in Week Three. They're at plus two forty five as they're visiting the San Francisco 49ers, who are have also been uh, riddled with injuries um, on both sides of the ball. I talked about Jarek McKinnon uh, being banged up, and he's um, it's a little questionable about whether he's going to play. We know what the Philadelphia Eagles' defensive line can do, but then another thing to look out for is Debo Samuel, who's back in practice and is bouncing back from uh, the foot surgery he had over the off season. I don't, I do have him on my season fantasy team, so I do kind of, I hope he plays well because I've been uh, stashing him in the back. But uh, I'm not sure what kind of shape he's going to be in. And then the Eagles are hoping to get something back from um, Alshon Jeffrey, who isn't yet to play, and yeah still a
1: yeah. report. Um, he was actually, he did practice on Wednesday. He was limited with that foot injury, but you know, Deshaun's another one to keep an eye on because he was held out entirely with a hamstring on Wednesday. And so, and then Miles Sanders is actually limited to with a glute injury, which is not one that you see very often in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so those three guys could leave Philadelphia a little bit then on offense. Um, so yeah, something to keep an eye on there that could really have a big impact on what yeah healthy is able to do against the
2: Niners I think it could be a game which is um, a little bit a little bit more of a grind maybe uh, lower scoring than what we've typically seen because I don't think the Eagles are going to give up the same stuff on the ground and on those uh, screen passes that the New York Giants did when they just got destroyed and didn't even score a touchdown Um, had three three field goals in that 36 to nine loss I don't think um, the Eagles will do the same Um, So, yeah, I I think the Eagles have a good chance. They're seven-point underdogs on this one, but I think they can come out on top.
1: I have a question for you about Carson Wentz Um, because I know that the Eagles have been dealing with these injuries on offense since week one. But when I go over to our Eagles site, Blading Green Nation, the best Eagles community on the internet, um, I see a lot of fans that are, they just are angry at Wentz. They think that Wentz is not the guy. So the question for you is, do you think that Wentz is, that his ceiling is lower than maybe the team expected when they took him number two overall a few years back? Or do you think that he's been held back by the fact that they've had so many offensive injuries to contend with?
2: I've seen uh, some stuff, just like clips and things. Not, I haven't seen a full uh, Eagles game start to finish yet. But from what I have seen, it seems like he's really um, just missing. It seems like he's just like missing his throws, and he just um, seems out of it and hasn't been able to Uh, really gain that momentum I think his 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 ceiling isn't as high as what they thought it was good but he's still he's still a quality uh starting quarterback when um when he gets on a roll and I think he can still be that and I think he'll put together um a couple wins where he has some more impressive performances but with the current group he has right now and just the inconsistency at receiver I think it makes things even tougher and then you have uh Dallas Goddard going on the IR Um, and he 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 loves they love their tight ends in Philly, so that uh, that's going to be another thing that maybe kind of um hinders his performance uh moving forward. But I I really think he's he's not a below average quarterback, it's just that he has a lot going against him right now. Yeah, that's why injuries
1: that's my take on it too. So, um, yeah, interested to see what he can do this week against the Niners.
2: Yeah, but just with him, it's just as far as he's just not he's never going to be that MVP guy Mm -hmm. that people. Uh, thought he was like before before he had um, his his knee injury that he looked like, which maybe maybe he could have maybe he could have been at that point, but I think yeah he has he has a higher floor, but I think his his ceiling isn't quite that transcendent quarterback level, and he's not gonna get there.
1: Yeah, I completely completely agree. And to our listeners, if you've heard some rustling around here on my end, um, that was my puppy Bella, who must have known that we were coming up on our who's in the doghouse segment. So, um, Bella has not told me who her pick is this week, but, you know, going back to Matt Ryan and Mitchell Trubisky's fantasy DFS performances last week, they were off each other's points by like two-tenths of a point or something. Um, And so, you know, I expected better from Trubisky because he had such a weak opponent in the Falcons. Now, granted, his 12-point-whatever points were just from a portion of the game because Nick Foles came in. Yeah. Him and ended up winning. But then Matt Ryan obviously played the whole game. And for Ryan to only put up 12-plus points is unusual. So I'm going to have to ask Bella when she is uh, back over here who who her pick is for the doghouse this week. But those are my candidates.
2: And uh, my two right now, which is still undecided as well, between Austin Hooper, who, as we all know, signed the contract and made him the highest-paid tight end in the NFL, which he has – seven catches for 81 or 82 yards so far Um, he's just not a priority on that offense who is really which has really leaned on guys like Nick Chubb and he's um, behind in um, targets from Kareem Hunt who is he is questionable to come in so maybe he gets a little bit of a boost but yeah look it's looking like they're going to continue to be a very um, run power team and they're going to give Chubb and Hunt those opportunities when it gets down to the red zone so yeah, he's he's really just not looked like uh, the priority. Maybe they, he just seemed like the sexy pick. just, oh, this is going to make us look like the Super Bowl contender. They just, they just want to bring in just these big names, and it seems like they're really overpaying him given what he's done for them so far.
1: Yeah, and with Cooper, um, you know, obviously a guy who spent hit the early part of his career with the Falcons, um, he developed really good chemistry with Matt Ryan, but it was over the course of many years. Like early in his career, he was not as effective. And it was a lot of, you know, time in the offseason that they spent working on their timing, working on their chemistry. So it could just be as simple as they aren't quite there yet with Hooper and Baker Mayfield. But the other factor is they do have so much talent, offensive talent on that team. And um, until he has that chemistry and that level of trust with Mayfield, you know, I think that he is going to be kind of underutilized in that yeah.
2: And it would be surprising if that just came up out of nowhere because he's still working on his connection with Odell Beckham Jr. who was <laughs> supposed to be his top guy and on, on the pecking order he's also still behind Jarvis Landry as well it seems. Yeah. So, I think he's if they want to get anybody going, I think Odell is the top guy given what he's getting paid and then it kind of trickles down and Hooper is that kind of last one as far as the pass catching goes. Um but then my other pick is just the entire Giants backfield you touched on um Devonte Freeman uh, possibly having a bounce back bounce back game but we had uh, Daniel Jones I talked about rush them in rushing yards with 49 and their backfield combined for 17 rushing yards on 10 carries um last week so definitely someone has to someone has to step up in that and maybe it's maybe it's Devonte he's uh most he's more likely to than Deion Lewis or Wayne Galman um but yeah definitely one of them needs to set up especially with uh, just the injuries that they're dealing with in Um, Barkley being out and then also in the receiving court because um, Daniel Jones is really struggling this year he needs some he needs some help um, on a balanced offense because especially uh, DFS wise he's just scraping the bottom of the barrel and I don't think he's I don't think he's even cracked I mean he might have cracked 11 by 11 fantasy points on DraftKings once but I want to say he has like a nine point performance and like a 10.1 and then maybe like an 11.1 so far this season. (laughs) So he need he needs a lot of help right now. So hopefully your guy steps up and helps him out.
1: Yeah, having any kind of consistent run game is so important for the development of a young quarterback. And so maybe these three guys can get it done. And I, I'm going to stick with my sleeper pick. I, I do think that Devontae Freeman, knowing his work ethic, knowing that chip on his shoulder, you know, I think that he can come out and maybe not, you know, go off for 47 points like Kamara, but I think that he can contribute and maybe make Daniel Jones' life a little bit yeah. easier this week.
2: I'm sure he's hoping to get that from. Him.
1: I'm sure that he is, and I do not blame him. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in again this week. Um, I wanted to remind everybody that you can play DFS with us this weekend. Um, We set up a contest every week. It's a standard lineup with a $50,000 salary cap, 10 people. Um, I can do multiple leagues if there's enough interest. There's a $10 buy-in and the top three payout. You can check out my Twitter, at Gina Thomas, J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas, to join in the fun.
2: And you can find me at it's underscore, a miracle, A-M-E-E-R-I-C-L-E. Guys, we came one and two uh, on the board in the last one. If you want to put more money in our pockets, tell your friends, and we can just, you know, I can buy some more dog treats. So I'd, I would appreciate that. But no, yeah, yeah definitely uh, we can open up a, a couple more leagues as the interest grows, hopefully
1: absolutely. Um, You know, I won $31 last week, so I'm up for doing three leagues. (laughs) That money will pay for all of it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time.